This morning's sermon passage is from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, it's in this name that we come, the name of Jesus. But we come recognizing and believing that indeed Jesus is your son. He is our Lord, our Redeemer, our hope. We cling to him. Lord, this morning, your people are gathered around your word in the book of Matthew, and we pray that you would speak. Spirit of God, we pray you would cause us to understand. We pray you would cause us to believe. We pray that even in this room today, someone might find faith, the faith that redeems and restores and makes all things new. Lord, for those of us who believe, Lord, would you give us great confidence that you will accomplish your word through your son now and forevermore. Oh, Lord, would you work as we study your scripture today? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If you haven't done so already, please take your Bible and turn uh, to the book of Matthew, chapter 1. Here at Redeemer, we're working our way through the book of Matthew, and um, this, is, this is week two. As we navigate the book of Matthew, here's what we want to remember. This book was written to tell the story of Jesus. It was written to tell and to reveal and to share more broadly who Jesus was and what he had done for his people. In some sense, the book was intended to say to a Jewish audience, your savior has come, trust in him. In another sense, the book was written to say to the world, he came for the nations too, there's room for you in him. But it all revolves around him. And so in the spirit of telling the story of Jesus, in the spirit of revealing who Jesus is, Matthew chapter 1 verse 1 is claiming this, that Jesus is the Messiah, God's chosen messenger to bring God's blessing 
and God's kingdom. He's the son of David, God's king to reign over his people forever. He's the son of Abraham, the one whom God would send to bring God's blessing to all the nations of the earth. This is the claim about Jesus. And story after story after story is being put here by Matthew to convince us this is true of Jesus. It's being put here by Matthew to convince us this is true of Jesus. So, if you've been around the church long, you're going to hear this and you're going to go, yeah, I know that. But the question is, how does knowing the truth of this story reorient how we relate to the Lord? This story says this, Jesus was born of a virgin woman and in such a miraculous birth, displaying his divine character at work from the very beginning. Displaying that he is, there's something unique and divine about him from the very beginning. Now, let me just go ahead and confess up front. If we didn't have five-year-olds in here, this sermon could be 10 minutes shorter. But we're going to massage language for the sake of all you parents. I know I'm on, I'm on alert. I got it. Okay. But we get on the heels of a genealogy whose people... Of which people did Jesus belong, or to which people did Jesus belong, we now get the story of his birth. And it was no normal story. Matthew, along with Luke in much greater detail, claims boldly and clearly and specifically that Jesus was born of a virgin woman named Mary through the work of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus is unlike the rest of humanity while Jesus is human. And we lean into this conundrum together. So first, let's just tell the story. So first point, the story. Verse 18 begins this way. Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. So Matthew's going to tell us about the birth of Jesus. Here's what he says. There was a woman named Mary, a young woman named Mary, And she was betrothed to a man named Joseph. Now, betrothed is not a word we often use. So any of you married folks, did did you go down on a knee and say, would thou like to be betrothed unto me? Anybody? We got one. Okay, we'll talk later, Christian, okay? And Kara, you said yes? Okay, all right. Um, So this isn't language that we use. So let's define it. Um, Betrothed in our common vernacular would be a legally binding engagement. So a legally binding engagement with the expectation of premarital chastity. So a legally binding engagement with the expectation of premarital chastity. The text goes forward. It tells us that Mary and Joseph remained chaste. And Mary was chaste not just with Joseph and still became pregnant. And the passage says the child was from 
the Holy Spirit. Meaning, it was the Holy Spirit at work in Mary to create life. It was the Holy Spirit at work in Mary to create life. So you have a young virgin woman in a chaste relationship who is pregnant. Verse 19. Her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So the passage says Joseph was a just man, and because he was a just man, he was going to divorce her quietly. What's unassumed here, excuse me, what is assumed here, is that Joseph, learning of Mary's pregnancy, assumed that the previous statement, Mary was both chaste and pregnant, one of those two things couldn't be, or both of those things couldn't be true at the same time. So Joseph was going to divorce her quietly. Why, you might add? Well, one, in the culture of the day, staying with her would have caused others to assume that Joseph was the father and he was just marrying her because of what had happened. Also, he knew that divorcing her loudly would draw attention to her pregnancy, would certainly bring guilt and shame and condemnation from the community, and possibly could bring um, legal judgment against her. So Joseph was just going to quietly divorce Mary. They weren't married, but this betrothal required a... It was entered legally. It had to be left legally. Now we come to verse 20. As he considered these things. Do you ever have those moments where you kind of personalize the scripture? Where you're like, oh, that, this is my moment this week. As he considered these things. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So we're told the Spirit appears to Joseph and says, Joseph, don't divorce her. Don't be afraid to marry her. She was faithful to you. She was faithful to the Lord. The child in her is the work of the Holy Spirit. He will be a son, and you will call his name Jesus. So we're told... In verse 24, that Joseph woke from sleep. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife and knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Joseph obeyed the Lord. Joseph stayed with Mary. Joseph did not know her until the birth of the child. Now friends, 
This reminds us, as the scripture does again and again and again, that faith is not certainty. Faith is trusting what the Lord has spoken, even when we don't see. Joseph believed the Lord. He took Mary as his wife. So this is the story. Matthew is claiming that Jesus was born to a woman named Mary who was a virgin, who had entered no sexual act and humanly speaking and scientifically speaking and medically speaking, she should not be pregnant, but she was because the spirit of God made life in her womb. Friends, this is declared as the beginning of the story of our faith. Jesus was no normal human. He wasn't born in the ways, in the way that all other humans have been born. The Spirit of God moved upon a virgin woman, and the woman became pregnant, and she gave birth to Jesus. This is a peg upon which the house of our faith is built. We believe it, receive it, accept it, cling to it. Jesus is no mere human and is no normal human. There's something divine and there's something unique and there's something uniquely holy about him and even the way he took on human flesh and came to this world. So if you're here today exploring this faith, this is a, a massive piece of our faith. Wrestle with it. Don't sweep it under the rug. Wrestle with it. If you're here today believing this faith, Let this truth which we embrace shape how much confidence we have in the power of God to accomplish his work. We'll come back to that. So if you're here and you're like, man, I need to think about this more. Every Sunday I offer resources to people, okay? But I'm going to offer them to all of you. I don't know if we have enough. We'll just see how this goes. But through those double doors to the left, there's a little table. On that table, there's two books. One's called um, Basic Christianity. The other's called The Apostles' Creed. Both of them spend an extended amount of time wrestling with this virgin birth and wrestling with the reality of it. And both of them are very accessible and easy to read. You could knock them both out before you wake up tomorrow if you really, really wanted to. So, we offer them to you. Go out, take a left, grab the books, wrestle with this reality. It, it, it's a huge linchpin in our faith. And if we take a step back, look how Matthew builds his argument. Jesus is the son of God, the son of David, the son of Abraham. He was born of a virgin. 
he was raised from the dead. This is the argument that Matthew is giving us. Like he's saying there's something uniquely divine about this Jesus and his work. Let that shape how we think of him. So that pushes us into this question. What does this mean? Second story. Second story. Second point. God with us. God with us. So let's look at the passage again. Wrestling with this question, what does this mean? Now, the birth of Jesus took place in this way. Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Mary becomes pregnant. Joseph's ready to divorce her quietly. And then we're told in verse 20, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. And this is what he said. Take her as your wife. The Holy Spirit has conceived the child. Verse 21, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So there's four things that this means. There's meaning in his name. There's meaning in Scripture being fulfilled. There's meaning that He is God with us. I said four. These three things testify to what Matthew is claiming about Jesus, what the early church believed about Jesus, and they tie back into this claim about who He is. Is. So let's look at those three things in turn. One, his name, the fulfillment of Scripture, and him representing God with his people. So first, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, there's something linguistically here that we just missed. We're like, oh, Jesus, yeah, cool. Latin America, Bible. That's kind of how we think about it here in America. But for them, the word Jesus was straight from the Hebrew word Joshua, which literally meant God is our salvation. God is our salvation. So we're going to call this kid Jesus, which means God is our salvation. So last week we laughed about the really bad preacher joke that Christ isn't Jesus' last name, it's who he is. This week we can add to it, Jesus isn't really his first name, it's who he is. I mean, it is his first name, right? But a name carries a meaning. God is our salvation. He's the chosen one to bring it. That comes together when the early church says, Jesus Christ. His name is God is our salvation. God is the bringer of salvation. And the Spirit says to Joseph, you're going to name him Jesus because that's exactly what he's going to do. He's going to save God's people. This is who Jesus is. He came in this unique way to be the unique Savior of God's people. There is no other Savior. And it is his, the, the work of the divine nature in his character and in his essence and in his nature that, that enables him to save God's people from his sins. Second. The Spirit said, 
And all this took place to fulfill, that is to complete, what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. And he quotes here from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Now, we could get lost in trying to understand Isaiah chapter 7. If you don't have anything else to do today, just Google that. Discard about 85% of what you read. Look for the good 15%, and you can figure this out. But there's lots of ways to understand Isaiah 7. But at the heart of it was this idea of what will be the sign of the Lord's kingdom? What will it be? And there was a back and forth about whether it was okay to ask for a sign or not ask for a sign. But at the end of the day, the Lord said, well, this will be the sign. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel. So the Spirit says to Joseph, we're going to name him Jesus, and it's going to fulfill the promise of Isaiah 7, 14. It's a sign that the kingdom is here because God with us is here. So the, the, the nature of this virgin birth is, is intended by God to say, my kingdom is here now because the king is here now. So according to Matthew, according to Isaiah, according to God, all this took place so the people would see that the kingdom is here now because Jesus is here. Jesus brings the kingdom. Now, friends, as a side note, this opens up a key theme we'll see as we go through Matthew of Matthew consistently working to show the Jewish people that what they had longed for was here because Jesus was here. So his name, the fulfillment of Scripture, and third, what Isaiah tells us about this child. They should call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Okay, we found it. Good. I'm just going to tell you, if we didn't have Find My iPhone in my house, there'd be a lot more arguments and fights. I mean, you get about 12 seconds into it, you're like, stop. Ding, 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 ding. Okay. We're back. Call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. I mean, the language here is so bold. It doesn't say a symbol of God with us. It doesn't say emblematic of the hope that God might be with us. It says God actually with us. God with us. So what the Spirit of God to Joseph is claiming is that the baby in Mary's womb is God with his people. 
He's God with us. When we saw Christ, we saw God with us. When we have Christ, we have God with us. So there's some implications here, friends. Number one, it only is God who saves his people. And we know this salvation through Christ. The God-man, born of a virgin, named Mary. And Matthew's tying all of that together. Our salvation is from God through Jesus. Let's look nowhere else but to Him. Second, the angel, the spirit, says to Joseph that this coming is a sign that the kingdom is here. The kingdom of God, that's God's rule and reign and influence over his people and permeating out through his earth, that kingdom It is here because Jesus is here. And as long as Jesus is Lord, and as long as Jesus is alive, the kingdom is ever growing and expanding, and our hope is in that kingdom and not in this world. Third, If this coming means God is with us, friends, that means God's with us. And the us here is the kingdom. Like a couple of those songs we sang this morning, um, God is with us, and then the we're free, we're free, forever we're free. Like Those are some of the most beautiful realities in the scripture. If we understand that us means the kingdom, Don't change us to anything else. And I fear that some of us subtly do that. But if God is with us, that means if we're in Christ, we're filled with the Spirit, and the presence of God is literally with his people. Individually, together, he's with us to lead us, to help us, to strengthen us, to deliver us, to guide us, but we're never, ever, ever, ever alone in God's world because God is with us. And the people of Israel had been waiting for the king that would set them free. He's here. His name is Jesus. Believe in him. Serve him. Follow him, tell of him, be devoted to him, believe in him, follow him, serve him, tell of him, be devoted to him. If these things are true, and I'm here to say they are, then this orients everything about us. 
So is Jesus human or God? The answer is yes, both. Jesus is the king. Jesus is the savior. Jesus is the deliverer. And the point of Matthew is to say, bring it all to Jesus. Bring it all to Jesus. Bring it all to him. So what I want to happen as we navigate our way through Matthew is that all of us look to Jesus, see his power, trust him more, depend upon him more, serve him more, look to Jesus, see his power, trust him more, serve him more, depend, okay, just again and again and again and again. And friends, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, the book of Matthew is probably going to get a little bit intellectually repetitive, and I just don't care. The purpose is see Jesus and look to him. See Jesus and follow him. See Jesus and look to him. Now, I know deeply and personally that many of us in this room are here with questions, unbelief, and doubt. We wonder, like, I'm not sure actually if this is true, and I'm not sure if I can build my life around it. And I would say to you, I'm okay with that. That honesty serves you well. Now, will you look to Jesus? Because here's the lie that the church so often promotes. We never say it explicitly, but this is what we imply. Get your sin worked out. Like, get, get all the bad stuff out. And then get your philosophy worked out. Get all the right thoughts in. And then you're ready to come to Jesus. That's a lie. That's untrue. The reality is, look to Jesus. He'll convict. He'll move. He'll shape. He'll purge the bad stuff out. Look to Jesus. He'll clean you up philosophically. He'll help you believe in that which today feels academically inconceivable. He'll do it because it's true and he's able. I'm just pleading with you. Look to him. Listen to him. Follow him. And let him shape who you are. Let's make that commitment and that commitment will accomplish great things. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Man, let's be the people who trust the word of the Lord so much that we do all he commands us and we walk in his ways. That's what Joseph did. That's what Joseph did. That's what Mary did. They're just sinners who need to trust the Lord just like us, but that's what they did. That's what I'm praying for me and I'm praying for all of us. So our Father and our God, We pray now you would take these words which you have spoken from Matthew. And Lord, as much as what's been said here today is in keeping with your scripture, by your spirit we pray you would cause us all to believe your word, to trust your son, to follow him. Please work over and in and through this congregation, we pray now.
for the glory of Jesus.